Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Grammy-winning jazz pianist and composer Lenny Moore. He opened up about his newest 2023 CD called Mentors. It has been decades that he wanted to do a big band album, and it's here. Several years ago, he was thinking back on all the mentors he had in his life who helped to shape and influence who he was as a composer and artist. This album pays tribute to all of them. For decades, he has been a proven force as an accomplished composer, arranger, and orchestrator of music for video games, commercials, film, and television. We cover his well-accomplished life and music. Enjoy. But yeah, we're, we're doing good. We're getting a little radio airplay, which I really appreciate from everybody, and I'm happy to like kind of, you know, keep moving forward as far as like, uh, you know, getting the word out that the album exists. <laughs> It certainly does, and it's a great album. And before we get into Mentors, what I would like to do is kind of ask you a little bit about the last three years living through COVID. How did you get through it, and how has it changed you now that we're kind of in this post-pandemic era? Uh, I think the reason – let's see. Uh, I got through the pandemic. I still don't feel like we're done yet, Uh, but I got through the pandemic, uh, I think, just by being patient. Uh, you know, and partly, you know, I think musicians, especially composers, we tend to hold ourselves up in our little studios anyway. So that sort of isolation is not abnormal for us, but I'm a hugger and I like hugging my friends. And that part has been sort of sad, uh, just not being able to have like, you know, that sort of normal, um, interaction. Uh, on a social level so that's been the main one of the main issues um but it also presented some cool challenges as far as trying to figure out how i do what i do because i do a lot of video game scoring and and, um you know with that it's like a lot of it's with orchestras so how do you record an orchestra during a pandemic yeah absolutely yeah and but does it feel good to have a new album out now with kind of things up yeah. yeah, it totally feels great. And, uh, you know, it just, it took a while to kind of get everything going. Some of it was just, you know, um, most of the players had some form of being able to record in their homes, which was part of the challenge of that project. And, uh, but there were a few people who had to learn from scratch, like, okay, how do I record at home? What kind of uh, toys or equipment do I need and all that. So some of it was just figuring that out. And then some of it was also just figuring out what's the best way to record, you know, a cool big band jazz album that you would normally just put 20 people in a room for two days and record. How do you simulate those interactions that happen in a space? And then, so that was sort of my job as the creator and producer was to try and see if I could be the eyes of the folks uh, pretending that they were in the room, <laughs> even though they're like in different parts of the world recording their individual parts. So what are you ultimately hoping the listener gets from this album? It, well, there's, there's sort of two main goals. One is just to have it out there for people to enjoy and, uh, you know, so far that's been great. And then uh, the other aspect of it was just the the sort of concept of what the album is, is about, which is, you know, the core of every piece of music in the album is a dedication to people who were mentors for me in my artistic path. <clears throat> Excuse me while I clear my throat. Um, and along those lines, 
you know, uh, influences or people that were, you know, former uh, educators, teachers of mine, things like that, uh, or just people that were sort of spiritual guides, so to speak, along the way. Um, so, you know, that idea of within an artist community, that there's people that have been there before us that have, you know, done great work and and just letting us know that we're not, you know, out there all by ourselves, that we're, uh, you know, that there are people out there that can help guide us and, and uh, uh, point us in the right direction as far as, you know, ways of just doing your thing, putting your creativity out there and, and uh, getting it in front of people to hear. So who have been some profound mentors in your life that's reverberated through everything that you've done? So several, you know, like the first cut on the album is, is Manic, and that is dedicated to Weather Report, Steps Ahead, and Peter Erskine, as an example, who played drums on the album uh, brilliantly, is somebody who's... Uh, uh, somebody that I've known because we've done media work before where he, he'd been working on a feature film that I was involved in. Uh, and he just was playing brilliantly. And then we got a chance to hang out and talk. And, um, you know, I've done a few uh, collaborations with Peter over the years. And, uh, uh, you know, when it comes to, you know, the inspiration of what Weather Report meant to me and Steps Ahead is just Peter's sort of a central figure with both of those groups, uh, but just the influence for me as an electric bass player of Jaco Pastorius, the the great writing and performing from people like Wayne Shorter and Joe Zawinul, and, and how they approached what uh, jazz uh, composition was about, and all that stuff is definitely influential uh, as far as individual... Uh, educators, uh, the people like um, Ken Krantz was sort of like a local mentor when I was uh, growing up in high school in Everett, Washington. And he was the supervisor for the arts in the school district that I was in. And he taught a composition uh, theory course. And he also was the person that introduced me to wanting to learn uh, electric bass. And he just went up to me and said, I think you can do this. And uh, uh, and that was like my main love as far as an instrument uh, was electric bass. So, uh, and he was also a great writer of vocal jazz. And so he's very inspirational uh, and just a really positive person. So there's people like that. And then on the music production side, which is really important to me, uh, uh, Arif Martin, who was the uh, a VP of music over at Atlantic Records, and it produced you know, like I don't know 800 albums or something like that, uh, including a bunch of albums for Aretha Franklin, Chaka Khan, um, the first two Nora Jones albums. Uh, just a brilliant record producer and arranger and composer, and he was somebody I'd met. Uh, you know, uh, around the time I was at Berkeley College of Music in Boston. So, uh, you know, those, that's like three examples of a couple of people that were really influential. Different ways. For some people, it was just, you know, encouragement. And for some people, it was like, you know, like a Reef's record production and his approach to music production is, is just stellar. And then, you know, just the performance and improvisational talents of folks like Weather Report and Steps Ahead. All, all of those influences add up over time. 
Talk to me a little bit about where you were born and raised and how this journey into the music and jazz more specifically began for you. Yeah, for me, I was I was born in Central California, and but we moved up to the Seattle area when I was about seven years old, and so I pretty much think of myself as growing up in the Pacific Northwest. And my father listened to a lot of big band stuff, and we're talking 1930s big bands, so Glenn Miller, and Benny Goodman, those kinds of things. So I had heard that form of jazz. Uh, from the time I was a little kid. And, and then in like things like junior high school and stuff like we were playing, I was playing in the jazz bands and, and things like that. So throughout my schooling, uh, we were touching upon that. Uh, and then I think, uh, I think it was like high school or something like that. Some of the first albums I ever bought, one of them was Chick Corea, the Leprechaun. <laughs> and, and and uh, I think there was a follow-up album. Uh, the 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 one particular piece that really floored me was Humpty Dumpty with Joe Farrell on tenor, and uh, and Chick Corea. I think it was the album following the Leprechaun. And uh, and uh, yeah, so it was, I was starting to hear more and more things. And I had been writing like jazz charts from really early age. I just, you know, like I always tell people, I, I, I got serious about writing when I was about 11. <laughs> so, you know, so like all through junior high school, I was writing a little big band charts and things like that and, and in high school. And uh, when I got to Berkeley College of Music, I was really, that's where I was really focused on, on developing my writing and playing. And, you know, so it kind of started early on, I think, uh, you know, just listening to some of the music that my parents listened to and then participating in sort of like the school jazz bands and things like that. And and just that joy of playing with other people and the interaction with other people. So I think it started there, if I can think it through. So over the years, you know, making music and being a part of this industry, what's been the most satisfying thing about being a professional in this field? As a writer, it's the individual musicians and what they contribute to what I do. You know, so in the context of this album, it's, you know, there's, I can write as clean of an arrangement and a composition as I can, um, but it doesn't really have any life until some, you put it in front of a player and see what they do with it, how they interpret it, how they, how they take it further than what you may have imagined it could be. And, you know, in the context of, of this album, or even in the video game scoring that I do, it's like, for me, the biggest joy is when I'm with uh, the musicians. So if I'm in front of a 80-piece orchestra or, um, or in the context of this album project, you know, just uh, having my friends contribute and seeing what they do with it is probably the biggest joy in it all. It's, it's just seeing you know, people kind of take the football I've handed them and, and take off with it. So what was the very first live jazz show that you ever saw that really blew you away? A live jazz would have been... So that probably would have been high school time period. And, uh, and this is also ties in with, you know, one of my other mentors, which was Toshikaki Yoshi, who was a legendary 
big band leader and composer in the 1970s and probably early 80s. And so Toshko was the artist in residence one summer. There was this, uh, up in the Pacific Northwest, there's a organization called Centrum. They're still around. And they do these artist workshops. And so they had a summer workshop for for composing and performing. And uh, so Toshko was the guest artist in residence that summer. And for some crazy reason, only three people signed up for the jazz composition workshop with her. So we had a lot of one-on-one time and she was really instrumental in sort of the philosophy of how I approach writing, which is, you know, in in her words, that there has to be a reason why you put something on the page. And then there's a follow-up, which is that there has to be a reason why it stays on the page. Yeah, so it's sort of an editing review process kind of a thing. And that was profound for me as a 16-year-old. But as far as, you know, like a jazz live situation, that was tied to that particular workshop because we were all working on an individual jazz chart that was going to be performed by a big band at the end of the week. And uh, and there was, uh, Kenny Gorlick, you know, everybody knows him as Kenny G, but at the time he was Kenny Gorlick and he was a local great musician that was playing in the, in the uh, Pacific Northwest area. And so he was in the big band. And, there, you know, there was like all these great musicians that kind of came to do this uh, live performance, uh, you know, for this workshop. And that was, you know, one of the things, the mayor of Port Townsend, Washington, which was where this workshop was held, was a jazz pianist that had this great piano trio named Barney McClure. Yeah, so like, there's all these great performances. And then the performances of just the uh, the kids that were at the uh, at the workshop. You know, so that was probably one of my early, outside of jazz festivals with high school and things like that, you know, to hear professional musicians performing, especially professional musicians performing, something that I'd written um, was really great. And just meeting Toshko and, and being influenced by, like, her wisdom was like a big, big deal. So that was one of the early uh, things. And then, you know, through high school, I'd gone to rock concerts and uh, things like that. So I'd seen bands like Rush, and, um, uh, Boston, if you're going really old school, stuff like that, um, which was just a lot of fun. Yeah. But, but on the jazz front, it was definitely that, that particular workshop. So very simply put, why do you love jazz? It's about being in the moment and it's about listening uh, it's about being free in the sense of kind of expressing yourself. And for me, you know, not to drive down a super personal thing, but I think it's appropriate is that, you know, like growing up, I grew up in a situation where being able to express yourself was, was shunted a bit. And, it was a way, music was a way for me to express myself completely. That was something that I completely owned. And I'm just so grateful that I've had that as an outlet uh, in my life. And so jazz for me is is a, sort of the purest expression of like just uh, communicating as freely as possible. So I'd say that's, that's probably the best uh, definition I could give right at the moment. So let's say you have the opportunity to get into kind of like a jazz DeLorean time machine. You can go back in time and catch anybody live. Where are you going to go? What digits are you punching in? Where are you going? Oh, a couple of places. I, I never saw Miles Davis live. Uh, 
and I never saw Jaco Pastorius live. Uh, and so, like, being able to see Weatherport uh, would be amazing, and being able to see, you know, somebody like Miles, you know, uh, especially not not my, you know, like his '80s stuff they did with Marcus Miller was amazing, but I'd want to see the Coltrane Miles in the '50s, the the quintet with Campbell Adderley and Philly Joe Jones and Paul Chambers and, and those folks, you know, that that to me would be a nice little time machine visit. Yeah, I would probably have to join you on that one. Um, <laughs> so do you have anything coming up as far as, you know, as the year kind of expands out promoting this album, anything in conjunction with getting it out there? Uh, I'm just, you know, it's just about like sharing it as, as widely as possible. I mean, it's, it's kind of right now it's all over, you know, every kind of platform you can imagine. So it's on Spotify for people that just like to stream things and, and those types of title and those kinds of things. And it's also, you know, the Apple music store and, and all that. And so it's just more sharing that and getting it out there, talking to people about it. And then, um, there's, um, there's a video game that I've been working on called Outcast 2, which is you know, like a crazy amount of music, two and a quarter hours of music, very interactive. And that game is, we're getting close. They haven't announced when they're going to release it yet, but we're getting close to being uh, completed with everything that we got to do on that. So that'll be coming out soon. And then there's other video game things that I'm scoring uh, that are be happening over the, probably the next year. Right on. So finally, if anyone wants to learn more about you, pick up this album, where's the best place to do that? Uh, easiest way is just go to LennyMoore.com. It's L-E-N-N-I-E-M-O-O-R-E.com. And there's a mentors page in the navigation on the, on the website. And there's a streamed version of it where you can hear it right there. And there's links to the song whip, sort of global links that kind of whatever your favorite way to to either purchase music or listen to music, uh, all those links are on there. So, you know, just LennyMoore.com and it's the easiest way for people to check it out. Cool, Lenny, I'm glad we caught up. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your story and best of luck with the album and everything as we move forward. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it and I appreciate all the love of getting and I really appreciate uh, you uh, and uh, all the stuff that you're doing to, to get jazz out there in the community. It's really an awesome thing. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in LA, New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Lenny for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube, and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.